You are listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. This episode is sponsored by Link. Are you someone who passes out a ton of business cards expecting a follow-up? With traditional business cards, as many of you know, they get lost. We are changing the way that we connect with new people. This easy to use product is great for anyone. Link offers a line of products that let you share information instantly with the people you meet. You can build a page that contains your contact information, website, social media links, photos, videos, appointment scheduling, custom forms, and more. All shareable with just one tap of this smart device. It's an unlimited use business card that you could change over time. The possibilities are endless. As an added bonus, if you purchase using promo code EmpoweringBusinessDFW, you will receive 15% off your entire order. Check the link in the show notes for more details. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Empower Business DFW podcast. I've got to be honest, this episode, I'm being super selfish because I've been a fan of this guy for, for several years now and uh, super pumped that he agreed to come on the show. So my guest this week is a, a singer, songwriter, actor, and I'm calling him a social media superstar. Uh, just overall, a good guy, right? And so my new friend, Marty Ray. Thanks, Marty, for joining me on the show. What's up, brother? Thanks for being a fan. I didn't even know you were a fan. I'm, I appreciate you supporting the music. It's, it's not can't do anything without people like you. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I came, I stumbled across one of your videos, and it's the well-known Vanilla Ice uh, cover that you did, gosh, several years ago. And um, since then, I just indulged in all of your content, and I actually just um, finished up listening to your most recent episode on your podcast and just – doing some great things. So I appreciate you cutting out some time and hanging out with me. Man, I appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. Well, if you don't mind, just take a few seconds. And for those who don't know who you are, if you don't mind, just making a quick introduction. I'm just a guy who Jesus put here to sing and write songs and some people listen to them. That's really all. That's all it is. Do a little acting, a little podcasting. I'm just trying to not bury my talent, man. That's all. Well, talent something you definitely have. And um, so kind of going back, I noticed you were born in Memphis, Tennessee. You grew up in Arkansas, though. Then you went back to Memphis and then ended up in Nashville. So kind of walk me through that journey. What has that journey been like for you? Well, you know, being born in Memphis and then raised across the bridge was in a small little town. It was a close-knit type of thing, and there was – Everybody knew everybody, and everybody knew when somebody did something, and that's kind of how that was growing up. I grew up in a, a school that kind of taught us to, if you weren't a, an academia superstar, that you were, uh, you know, probably going to have to get you a job at the local steel mill there, and that was nothing against that, but that was kind of what, and that's a really good job even still to this day, 100,000 100, plus a year, but uh that's, that's kind of the dream that most people had. So we were kind of taught to dream within our city limits for the most part. Even my dad thought that the only way you would make a living, a substantial living of any kind and do anything would be through using your hands. So for years, I believed that very thing. And I believe that, that it was a pipe dream, just like everybody told me, to be able to uh, 
to do music for a living or anything in entertainment for a living. And then it, in 2005, I, I got a Apple MacBook, started recording myself on GarageBand, making a few videos. And I told God, I said, if this is a talent you gave me, you want me to do it, then bring fruit to it. And I'll, I'll, I'll put forth the effort and I hope you'll honor it. And he does. He honors effort. If we have, if he gives us a gift, he honors the, the effort we put forth. Amen to that. So what kind of kid, I know that you grew up singing and acting and, and, you know, what type of influences did you have in your household at an early age to kind of put you in the direction where you are today? I didn't really grow up acting. Um, I say that we all, we all are actors as children though, all the time. I mean, we, it's, it's like a natural thing. You kind of have to train yourself or somebody has to teach you not to act. Be, for instance, when you're when you were a child, you would make believe and act like you were a superhero or whatever. And you believed you were in that moment because no one could tell you any different. So that's kind of what it is with acting. I don't know if you read that. I said we're all actors as children or something, but I didn't act as a child. I did sing my whole life. Come I came out of the womb singing. I still don't know if I do it right, but I sang. I would mimic people and I would try to sound like them and. Growing up, I, I saw that, you know, there's no market for somebody that sounds like somebody else. Back then, I thought that now it seems like a lot of people sound the same. But back then, I thought, well, there's no market for somebody that sounds like somebody. So since I didn't have my real voice, my own voice, I, I just figured everybody was right in saying that it was unrealistic and it was a pipe dream. And then, like I said, in 2005, when I got that garage band, I went to the church, me and my cousin. There was nobody there but us and my uncle. And uh, we made the pastor's office uh, the vocal booth. And I said, play a song. I want to get something. I want to practice with this software. And he said, what song? I said, just pick one. He picked Great Speckled Bird. And I had never heard anybody sing it. So I had no reference. So when I started singing, I was just following him. And God showed me my voice for the first time. And I got chills. And I started, I made a video of that. People seemed to like it. And I kept on in that vein, even to this day. It's exactly what I do. Yeah. No, like I said, from the beginning, I've, I've loved your music. Just uh, the the way that you can take different genres and, and make it your own touch. I mean, whether you're covering an original or uh, doing a cover song from somebody else, you always have that, that moderate, unique touch to it. And that's what I love so much about your music. Um you know, so but in 2011, you started the Marty Ray Project. And the way I understand it is because you have so many different genres that you like to perform, you just started putting everything under that title. So tell us a little bit more about what your objective is and what your thoughts are behind the Marty Ray Project. Well, it's it's uh, it is that what you said. It is that I don't want to be put into a box creatively and uh, genre wise. I don't want to I don't want anyone to pigeonhole me and say you can only do one thing because if if a pop song's on my heart then a pop song's what i sing or write if a blues song is and so be it same same so forth and so forth but i as far as the the project that's also in relation to everybody who does something outside of the normal is kind of a projector and it's all one big project what you're doing now with this podcast. This is not 
something that anybody, if you told somebody, most people, if you told them you were going to do this and make money doing it, they would say you're crazy, that that's it's an overrun market. And the, the people at the top are already at the top and they're, it's, it's over at this point. But that's not true. It, you, there, it, there's always a moment. Hold on a second. I got a daggum alarm going off. Am I still with you? Good. We're still here. <laughs> anyway, if you told somebody that, they would probably say you were crazy and it would never happen. There's probably some people that would encourage you, but it would probably even even in the times of encouragement, some of these people do it and they're not really encouraged. They, they don't really believe it. They're just they just don't want to be hateful. You know what I mean? They don't want to be discouraging. So they say, sure, yeah, you can do it, man. They don't really believe that you can. And that's kind of how it is in everything that you do. So anybody that does something outside the norm that's an outlier to society saying, work with your hands and do this and only this forever, and that's how you make a living, fall in line, stay in your lane, all those type of things. Anybody does something outside of that, they are a projector to me, including me. So and then so that's one part of it. So everybody's a projector that will do something and support the people, truly support the people that are doing something outside of the norm. That's a projector. And also it became the, the initial idea was calling it a project because it was how far can a one man go with just God and his fans behind him. And that's that's the, where the project started. And then it just grew from there into, into other things. So. That's kind of where we are with it now. Yeah, that's cool. So with all the different genres that you do play, do you have a favorite like style that you typically always find yourself gravitating towards? I would say, uh, you know, my roots are kind of in gospel soul type sound because I kind of grew up listening to gospel and, and R&B and soul music, that type of thing. And then uh, it was later that, my mom took me to a Garth Brooks concert and I think I was 12 years old and, and, uh, you know, that's when I first started really giving country a good look because I didn't really like country too much because she liked it. Hmm. So I think that's kind of how most children are, but anyway, yeah, mainly, mainly gospel. And I think everything that I do kind of has a gospel soulful type feel because that's how I feel it. So, yeah, I, I grew up on on country. So Garth Brooks, George Strait. I mean, th those were my t my go to albums. Anytime we took road trips or something like that. But um, so you enjoyed that last episode then with Leslie Satcher. I did because she I did. she wrote George Strait's uh, Troubadour. Yep. Yeah, I listened to her, and then you know when you ask her to uh, to play something that nobody's heard before, um, that was that's like, a good song, man. Was like, Golly. Like, she started playing and, and I was like, she's got to put that out. And that's what you guys were talking about a lot. It was like, you asked them how many albums or how many songs do you have written that's not out there yet? And I don't remember the exact number, but she had several thousand and your co-host had over a thousand. Yeah, because he's a, a hit songwriter too. Yeah, and it's amazing how, how they just create so much. And you're the same way too. I'm sure you've got a ton of different. Oh, I don't have nowhere near what they have because like everything i have is meant to be released i'm releasing it yeah so if i if i write it i'm trying to get it even if i just have the idea the little idea in my head if i'm writing it i'm writing that thing to release it they they're writing they have years and years of writing 
four four artists in mind and four publishers that, that these are amazing songs. I've heard some of Chris's songs that are just amazing songs. They you they would blow you away, but they never got cut and they never will get cut by anybody other than him because I don't know why. I can't give you a reason why. It doesn't make sense to me, but it, the, the songs don't fit the the country of today. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you that. Like, why are all these songs getting put on the back burner and not being put out to the world? And I guess I understand that um, they're for songwriters, especially when you're under a title or a brand or a, a record label or whatever the case is, or certain requirements that you have to abide by. But I just think you know, there's so much of that talent just, in a sense, going to waste, right? It really is. It's a uh, it's crying shame. I, all the God-inspired songs that people like Chris Wallen has, and that he can't uh, that he can't even release. It yeah. seems like so, and I'm sure Leslie as well. I don't know Leslie like Chris does, but so I haven't heard a lot of her unwritten song or unreleased songs, but. As you can see from that that episode, there's some gems in there for sure, right? Yeah. Because that that's one of them. I guess yeah. the people should know where to find that episode if they want to see it. It's the Marty Ray Project Chats podcast. So if y'all want to hear that and her talk about the divine inspiration of Troubadour, go look it up. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I, at first, I just started to tune in and and I try to listen to everyone that you put out, but uh, I always do it in in a in a different way, like if I'm driving or commuting or something like that, just so I can actually listen. But this time I was here at the office and I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and start listening. And needless to say, I didn't get too much work done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to hear that. <laughs> so, but uh, do you remember the first song that you put on YouTube? If not, I can, I can remind well, you. No, you can't either. Cause I had another YouTube channel. Oh, well then. Uh, okay. Yeah, the first song actually that I put up was a rap song that my brother and I did called Fat Girl. Huh. And uh, it was a joke. It was a funny joke. That's what I wanted to do. My, I really wanted, originally when I started, I wanted to just do funny songs, like parodies and funny other funny songs. Fat Girl wasn't a, uh, a parody. But I took it down. Like the whole The whole channel, I believe, went inactive so long that they deleted it or something. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, there was also two, there was two of us that were admins on it, but it was just a funny song about, uh, we dressed my cousin up and it's, he's a guy and we dressed him up in some uh, women's clothes. He looked like a big old, big old woman. And, and it was, you know, I'm sure today it would not go over well at all. It wouldn't go over well at all yeah. today in today's world. It's hypersensitive to everything. Um, but I deleted it away before today, but I, I would never, I think I still have it somewhere, but it was my first attempt. I was trying to learn how to make music videos, how to navigate YouTube. And that video did pretty well for that time. I, I don't remember the exact views, but I, I in my head, for some reason, I remember 30,000 on that yeah. video. And that's pretty impressive for back then. We, we really thought that was something, but, Anyway, so there were several videos up there like that. We just had some funny, some goofy stuff. And uh, that was really with a vein I wanted to go in. And then when I did when I did uh, Speckled Bird and made that video, 
uh, I put that up there. That did I put that? So the whole the whole real music career started on Facebook, to be honest, not YouTube, uh, because the first viral video I ever had was uh, all about that beard. Uh, that was posted on my personal profile on Facebook, and it got two million views in a day. And when that happened, at that point, I thought, man. I got to ride this wave. So I just stayed consistent. And uh, there went about a two-week span that I hadn't posted a video. And that's when about 3 o'clock in the morning, I had been messing around with this old hip-hop song, Ice Ice Baby, acoustically. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I posted to my personal profile, not my page, my personal profile on Facebook, because that's where I got attention from, really. I didn't have any love on YouTube or on uh, my page at all hardly and uh, but on my personal profile i was doing really well and i didn't know at the time since the all about that beard people had started going to my youtube and subscribing and and to my uh, facebook and liking or whatever but uh three o'clock in the morning i uh i posted this video i said i know i hadn't been consistent i apologize about that uh here's a here's a way here's the way i've been doing ice ice baby I hope y'all like it. If not, uh, you can wait to the next video. You know, it was kind of a throwaway. I just had to get something up. So I put that up there. Next thing I know, World Star Hip Hop's posting it. Bam Margera posted it. Uh, every site you can think of that had anything to do with hip hop was posting that. And every every big Facebook page was sharing it. And it got millions of views quickly. And then they were still in that video, actually, and posting it on their own account. But they were tagging me. So because they were tagging me, people were going and just liking my page. And so then I posted it to my page and then that got millions of views. And then my then my YouTube started growing. So it, that, that video had a life of its own and it still kind of does. It, it's pretty crazy how that uh, that song was meant to be viral, even from the 90s, even from like you think about hip hop. I think that's one of the biggest songs of all time. And hip hop yeah. has yeah. to be. I, I agree. And, and uh, the, the other one that you did was the one Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> yep. that, was, that was another one of my favorites. But, you know, what were, what were you thinking whenever all of these views and, and things? I was just looking at your YouTube channel earlier. The Ice Ice Baby had like six and a half million views. Right. And you have other videos in there like 10 million views. And uh, what, what are you thinking at that point when all of these views start coming in? I would be shocked. I say that. Well, no, I was definitely shocked and, and honored. And just because, you know, there was people like when you when you grow up and there's some people that tell you you can't sing. And if you're going to get in music, you should learn to play an instrument. And you're being told this is a, a dream that will never bring fruit and things like that. And you start seeing all those numbers. It, it really makes you go, wow, man. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate you. Honor, really honoring my effort. And uh because it's all him. I really have no secrets, but I was sure loving on all my fans. And I still do as much as I can. There, as much as they'll notify me of, there's some comments I don't get to because I don't see them anymore. But when I first post a video, I answer about, I would say about 90% of the comments. I answer all those people back because they still, every one of those people are not a number to me. They're, they're an actual human being that, 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 is supporting me with a comment or a like, or even the, even the haters I comment back to, they'll say something hateful and I'll, I'll still comment back to them and say, hey, I love you.
appreciate you listening. God bless you. And that's kind of how it goes. And so, yeah, it was, it was, a, I was very honored by it and shocked, of course, that, that somebody like me without any label or anything behind him was blowing up like that. And, and it was, it was a shock from the, from the all about that beard being it to me. And we were floored yeah. uh, when that got the success that it got. And then people in England were wanting to interview me and all these fans from all over the world. It still shocks me to this day. I, I live in a shocking thing. I get, I get messages. You wouldn't believe the messages I get today. And I read all of them and I answer all of them. And I'm shocked every time and humbled every time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I guess the video I was thinking about on your YouTube channel, I think 2014, you posted a, a video called The Dream. Yeah, that was actually after the success already started. See, that was after people were going and subscribing to my – they were – I'm not saying I had a ton of subscribers. I didn't have nowhere near 600,000 like now. I had maybe maybe about five to 6,000 people there. And no content, right? Nothing was up there because it was all on Facebook. And I said, I'm I'm living the dream. Now, now that I think that happened. I'm not mistaken, that might have happened in between. That might I might have posted that after, right? Like after the all about that beard video, I believe that I posted that. So the all about that beard came before the that video but that came before the ice ice baby you know what i'm saying yeah. that's kind of how that was but yeah i posted that and you know a lot of people they'll, they'll send that to me and they'll say that's one of my favorite songs that you've done and i go i appreciate that it's not really a song but i'm just literally speaking in the video but it's very inspiring to know that that was just kind of me just like now it was kind of like a video about me showing people kind of briefly in a, in a, in a poetic way, how my life was and how I got to that point right there and how my mind worked. Yeah. It's kind of what that was. Yeah. That was going to be my question. Like what inspired that, that, um, that song, that poem, because I think what I took away from it is just very inspiring. And even though it was done in 2014, the plays are still racking up on that video. And that just says a lot I know. about what you were thinking because you're impacting so many different people. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still honored that people go and say, that's my favorite thing that you've done. I think that's cool because it's, it's literally just me talking. It's not even me singing. Yeah. So, yeah. And if it's inspiring people, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, all of your, your videos and, and music, the ice ice baby, you're starting to, you know, meet all of these people and you have the opportunity to, to meet Vanilla Ice and now you've built a pretty good uh, relationship with them. But, you know, what's been your funnest project of your career so far? Anything that sticks out? Funnest project? Hmm. That's tough to say um, what the funnest is, but because uh, there's even, even on the fun times, there's a lot of nerves involved. Yeah. You know, like when, when Vanilla Ice called me along many years ago and said, come to my, I'm going to bring you to Miami and do a show, do a, uh, do that song with me. And so that was like me, essentially he was headlining the show and it was Salt and Pepper and Color Me Bad and all these people from these legends from the nineties were opening up for him. So they were essentially, I like to say, opening up for me, even though all I was doing was playing the one song. 
but uh, and nobody even knew me there. But that was pretty crazy that all these people I grew up listening to, I was right there with them and doing a show with them, like on a stage with behind behind uh, backstage with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty nuts. It was it was definitely fun. But you talking about nerves, man? It was ner- I was nervous, big time. And then when I got out on stage in Boca Raton and, and Vanilla Ice introduced me and he said, he said, uh, I've heard every version of, of Ice Ice Baby that there is under the sun. He said, I've heard country versions, techno versions, every version you can think of. He said, this, this guy has the best version I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, oh man, don't mess up, Marty. No pressure. Don't don't mess up now, man. Kali, he it's almost like he said he was better than his. That's what people are thinking at this point, I'm sure, because he said it's the best version he ever heard. And uh, we were actually did a clubhouse room not too long ago. I, I brought I him was in clubhouse. It. Was you? I was. And he said it again right there. He said it in that room. And uh, I was like, Kali, man, what a what a what a great sign off, you know. Yeah. From the man who did the song, what a great sign off! And he, he loves it to this day. He loves the song the way I did it. Yeah, no, I, I, I still go through and I listen to it just every now and then. When you're not putting out new stuff, I'm listening to the old stuff, and it's just one of those like you can't get that, that out of your head, right? I mean, I know Ice Ice Baby is one of those like you said, the song that uh, the original, you know, hip hop, but. I guess the way you put your spin on it, your touch on it for the audience that's listening, I'm going to have all of Marty's information in the show notes. So go to his pages, check it out. But uh, the ice ice baby is down at the very bottom of his YouTube channel towards the beginning. Um, go check it out. Cause you're going to be, you're going to be hooked like I was. Yeah. And also be sure you check out the originals. Whoever's yeah. listening. Yeah, please. I actually only do covers in hopes that people will give my originals a chance. Yeah, and a lot of people do, but I've then that's another thing I was going to point out too. I mean, your originals, it's I guess the only way I can explain it is I love them. <laughs> I mean, I can sit there and listen to them all day. I love that, especially when I'm, I'm getting on the mower and I'm doing yard work and stuff. I can listen to it all day long. So keep up the Man. good work. I appreciate it. We got a new album coming out this year. So it was supposed to be out two years ago, but it will be out this year. No yeah. question. That's awesome. You know, one thing I've learned about you just um, from this interview so far and what I've known of you, you know, just social media and things like that. And um, you obviously didn't go down the traditional route of music. Right. Uh, And I heard Chris say this on your your last episode of the podcast that uh, you went straight for the people. Right. You know, know, a lot of times the typical traditional, I guess you would say, music route is you've got to do everything you can to, to get a record deal and things like that but you went directly for the people. And now because of that, you have 1.2 million followers along with 200 million downloads on all of your music. Um, why was... Hold on one second. Yeah, no worries. Hold on one second. Can y'all stop slamming doors? Yeah, I'm trying. I don't want to mess this man podcast up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, you're fine. Um, I was just going to say, why was your focus never on, and you probably touched on this earlier, but why was your focus never really on, I want to get a, a record deal and more about giving back to the people? My focus, I ain't going to say my focus never was on that. I was just like everybody else. I thought that's how you made it huh. in the, in the infantile, the 
the inception of the career, thinking that I'm going to make this a career, I was trying to get a record deal. I, I released and I, I took the last bit of money I had and borrowed my uncle's van and went to Nashville, Gallatin, which is right outside of Nashville, and made a, an EP, which is the, the first album I released was that EP and uh, called Countryman. And it actually released years before what it says on the actual uh, um, iTunes, the actual release date now is the same as the second album, Expression Not Perfection, because what happened with it was years ago, I think I released that in like 2008, and a manager came along and they said, let me, let me release it and I'll get you uh, featured on, on iTunes. And I said, oh man, wow, that'd be great. So I let him release it through his own thing. So he was the one seeing all the numbers and whatnot for years and I never saw a dime. And so then one day I just, cause I wasn't really, I was, I was working a job. So I wasn't really thinking about, I was actually working for my dad running his towing service. So I wasn't really thinking all the time, but man, I got to keep track on this money because I knew it wasn't probably wasn't too many sales, but I said, well, I should be seeing something though. Surely somebody, surely somebody's bought something. So then I just downloaded it about five times myself, right? And gifted it. Because back then you could gift it. You could download it and gift it to mm. someone. So I did that about five times to see if I would ever hear from this person. Never heard from him. So then I called him and I said, what's the deal? I said, I know for a fact that I've sold five albums, five complete albums. And I've seen nothing from you, not a dime. And he said, uh, something, something, something. Well, I got to get paid or something. I was like, I was like, take my album down now and I'll just re-release it at my own leisure. So that was, he took it down and I didn't, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I was frustrated. So I didn't even re-release it until 2015. You know what I mean? I, I almost didn't release it. I, didn't, I almost didn't even re-release it because by that time I had, the expression, not perfection album coming out. Like it was ready to go. And I had all these songs and I almost didn't even re-release it. So I, but then at the last minute, I thought, I guess I'm going to go and put this out because this is, this is the, the origin of my beginning. So I, it needs to be out there, I think. And uh, so I released that shortly before I released the expression, not perfection. And I talked around so much that I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I was just, you answered it. You answered it. it was Did more I? Yeah, it was focused on like why you, you never focused on. Oh, that's what it was. Let me yeah. finish. The, uh, the, so originally I was trying to get a record deal. And I had this album and I went and performed in front of some uh, record execs. And Sony, Sony called me back into a meeting and, and, and they, this guy, you know, big, 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 big timing guy. He thinks he's a big timer, you know, big fat cat guy. And he's looking at me and he goes, uh, he says, your music is uh, it's good live, but nobody would ever buy it. And I said, how do you know? He goes, well, I've been involved with, with uh, this song and this song, and this hit and this hit and this platinum and all this stuff. And, and I'm sitting there going, how many were you involved with that did nothing, though? How many times did you say a song would do something and didn't do something? How many times did you say a song wouldn't do something and did do something? How many people did you pass on? And then I'm a li I'm living proof today when he passed on me, 
because he wasn't trying to sign me to a deal. He was trying to give me advice, right? He was trying to help me along. And, and I didn't need his advice because advice is okay as long as you take it with a grain of salt because people's advice is usually mingled with their opinion. And when that happens, it's a problem because their opinion can make people think, oh, man, there's somebody. I better listen to them. They've done this and that. So if they say I can't sing, if they say I shouldn't do this, then I shouldn't do it. That's not true. It's just not true. If, if, if the biggest, if Joe Rogan comes to you and says, hey, man, your podcast, you probably should just give up. It ain't, it ain't working. Then somebody, because of who Joe Rogan is in the podcast world, somebody might go, oh, man, I guess I better give up because he's, he's actually at the pinnacle of, of podcasting. But that's his opinion. It don't matter. So the point is, uh, he didn't want to sign me. So I left there. And then uh, about a year later, I got a meeting with Average Joe's Records. And they were an independent label. And I thought, this will be the one. They'll love me here. I'll fit right in with their people. And I uh, went to this meeting. And this guy was, uh, it was, I went with a buddy who was friends with the, the man at the uh, label owner, Shannon, Shannon Hutchins, I think is his name. So I want to give him a little blast out right here because when I went in there, he was could care less about my music. He, he didn't listen to it. He could care less. He took the CD, he put it behind him, and him and him and Ian Burke, who was the guy who took me there, they were sitting there talking back and forth. Ian knew, Ian knew that I should have been on that label. He knew it. He told Shannon, he said, This is your guy. You need this guy. He saw it. He saw it before I saw it. He saw that there was something coming, a storm was coming. And he told Shannon this and Shannon didn't care. He goes, Hey man, how you been? He started talking to him about him. And then, you know, he had video games in there and whatnot. They care. He could care less, care nothing about me. So I left there and I said, forget them, forget all these labels. It's, it's me and God from now on. And I said, I'll start making videos and God, if you want me to do it, you honor it because they're not going to honor it. And that's kind of how that happened. Wow. That's amazing. And you hear those I mean, I guess you see more of those stories than like these music uh, focused videos, like where they're trying to get record deals and they walk in and they slam the door in their face and, and just throw the, the tape. And, and what you're saying is exactly lines up with some of these movies that you watch. It's like, that is how hard the music industry is at times. And I love how you just, you know what, it's, it's with me and God and we are going to attack this and, and this is what we're doing. And, um, obviously you've had a lot of success doing that. So I congratulations to you for, for taking that step because a, a lot of people would have just quit. Man, I always say the only difference in successful people and unsuccessful people are the people that are successful didn't quit. They didn't give up. That's it. That's really it. Anything that you're doing is, and I have trouble with almost wanting to quit many, many times. And God will kind of slap me in my face a little bit and say, "Hey, look what look what you did for them. Look what this look what I did for you here. Look at this and look at that." And that's kind of how my life goes. It, he, there'll be moments when I'm like, "Man, if this is the end of the rope, then let me know and I'll go do something else and I, yeah. I'll, I'll get a job or whatever." But He says He'll send a message and and I always hear it loud and clear. It's 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 a really heart wrenching message sometimes, you know. Those confirmation messages that we receive are sometimes the most stress relieving messages, right? Because a lot of times we're like, what am I supposed to be doing? Give me a direction. Give, and, 
And I think when we hear those confirmations, that's what we know, like, okay, we're going in the right path. No matter what adversity that we faced, we're headed in the right direction. And that's where I'm supposed to be going. Yeah. Just be still. Yep. That's um, it. So bringing up 2015, when you, when you lost that album, you also um, were, I read an article in 2015 from 2015 that, um, you know, how your family love your music, but your immediate family didn't always care for your music. Some of your family members didn't always care for your music. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of times people will make a decision on, like you just said, it, it's not good enough. Like you're not going to go anywhere. Um, there's a lot of things that you're not doing right. And so if there was a young up and comer in the entertainment industry, what advice would you have for that person as far as a mindset to go do it anyway? Well, first of all, it never was my immediate family. They, my immediate family, my mother, father, brother, they never, they always said I could sing. There was never a time they just weren't, um, they just, they never did say, well, okay, you're going to be a big star, right? It never was that. And there was, well, it was, hey, re, go for your, go for your dreams or, or you can do anything you want to do. That, that just wasn't the type of family we were in. My dad was a working man and, and uh, he's the hardest working man I know. And, and he believed that you made money with your hands. It was some of my other family outside of my immediate family that, that were some of the ones that said I couldn't sing or they, they didn't think that my writing was good. They was always like, mm, yeah, keep working at it, that type of thing. But uh, you said, what, what would I say to someone that's dealing with that? Yeah. I would say, get on your knees and ask the Lord if this is, if you truly put this talent, if this is what he wants you to do, because it's, it's his will. When it's his will, he honors it after you start putting forth the effort. It's, uh, I heard this preacher say a long time ago, God times zero still equals zero. Because God wants a partnership. He wants a relationship. So if you do nothing, then he does nothing. But when you do a little tiny bit, he does a whole lot. That's all I've really done is a little tiny bit. And he's done a whole lot. So I would tell people that. I would encourage people to know that when you get, when you put the Lord first, you put Jesus first, and you say, whatever your will is, I want to do that. Here's what I'd like to do. And if that lines up with what you'd like me to do, I, I, I'm going to go after it. And but whatever, whatever the case is, it's uh, you, you want to be in God's will, you know. And I, there are things that there's people that learn how to sing and and things like that. I never learned how to sing. So it was kind of in me from the start. I just knew I said. I didn't learn how to do this. So if you gave me this gift, if this is a gift that I think I have, you gave it to me. So if I am to use this, then you honor it. Let me have the anointing of King David that when I sing, depression flees, doubt flees, all these things leave. And so I pray these things every day. And without prayer, I would not be here. I would not be making it. I would not be uh, right in my mind to be able to keep pushing at this game. It's a hard game. Yeah. It's a hard, tough game that, that music is. And even business, any business, any business, any Anything that you do, like I said, that's an outlier, that's outside of just going to work and collecting the check is tough. It's, it's really tough. And it's hard to keep consistent and it's hard to stay motivated. So without, without God, I have no motivation. I, I, will, I would have failed, failed already. Yeah. And uh, so I would just encourage people in the hat to say, first of all, 
try to try to line your dream up with God's will. Cause then it's, then it's, then it's unstoppable. But once yeah. you start putting forth the effort, it is unstoppable in that regard. The problem is when, when your dream is over here, but God said he wants you here. There's a problem with it's a, it's a constant battle because he's, he loves you so much. He's trying to correct you in this way, but you're, you're pushing as hard as you can this way. Cause you're like, this is what I want to do. But he's saying, this is what I need you to do right here. Is what I put you here for. So people are doing this. There's people that want to be singers and they, they really can't sing, but they'll, they'll spend millions and millions of dollars sometimes throughout their lifetime trying to go to seminars and go to coaching and go to this and all these things. But God is saying, I didn't put you here to do this. I put you here to do this. And if you do this and there's, I don't, I got to find somebody else to do your, your job here. So I would just say, make sure that you don't look at it. Like I just want to be famous like these people, because this looks fun. It's not always fun. It might look fun. It might look fantastic, but it's not that way, especially if, if you're out of God's will. So sorry to be long winded, but. No, that's fine. And we were actually talking about that yesterday. So we talked, you know, I'm, I'm here in Texas and um, the shift of whether we were snowboarding in my backyard a week ago, and then we got sunburned yesterday by hanging out in the yard. And so yeah. uh, my wife and the kids and the neighbor's kids came over and we were talking about this exact thing, like the music industry um, and how documentaries really come in and you see you, you typically with the documentary in a musician's life, you get a bigger uh, respect for what it is they go through. Right. And any, any industry, I mean, uh, I just interviewed the, the uh, former president of the Houston Texans. Right. And so we, we kind of dove a little deep into football, but more business focused, but we got into the trenches about um, the way players train, you know, the, the things that people don't see, like as a fan of yours, as a fan of the NFL, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not informative of unless it's like a, a documentary. And so I, I guess I say all that to say, you don't realize how hard somebody has to work at a, at a role in the music industry until you see a documentary and you have a completely different uh, mindset and understanding. Like that makes perfect sense. Like you hear of all these unfortunate stories of, um, you know, addiction and things like that that come out of the music industry and, you see these documentaries, you're like, Oh my goodness. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin like that. The fact that they are here now says a lot. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the ticket is if people really understood that it's not, it's never overnight. That doesn't really happen. Overnight doesn't really happen. Overnight success in anything does not happen unless you win the lottery. That's the only way you can be overnight success winning the lottery. That's about it. And and that's very – you have a very slim, slim chance of doing that. Yeah. But other than that, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to figure out how to get a mindset that tells you I'm going to stay focused on this thing no matter what comes my way. It could be a sickness. It could be a, a, a losing my house, my home, this and this and everything else. It could be everything come my way, but I will stick to this. Yeah. I will. And that's in business or in anything. It's, it, there's always – there's always it's it's a the perfect depiction of it I saw one time was there was this tree, right? It was this image of a tree, and above the tree above ground was this beautiful tree that was full of fruit, and below ground was these massive roots that stretched out far as the eye could see. 
the what that's what people don't see. Though they don't see that work, they just see what's above ground. Yeah. They see the fruitful tree, and they go, "Man, I wish I had that." Man, that's great. Look what look how successful they are. But they don't see all these roots under here, all these roots that took place years before that people were just down here being buried. They were buried in all these things for years. And then the tree came. That's the thing about it. And I thought that was a beautiful depiction of, of how success works. You know, that's one of the questions I ask in every episode of the podcast is define success. And you, you explained it perfectly there. I mean, you see that is on, it on social media, you'll see the iceberg image, right? You yep. see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't see what's underneath it. But I think the roots make uh, an even bigger picture because there's so much happening there. Um, so thank you for explaining that because I, I think secretly you're probably cheating off my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sending me your notes ahead of time. Hey, no worries. That's, that's uh, makes for a <laughs> kind of makes me look good here. Um, yeah. So what is one message you would give to your fans if you could, you could tell us right now? The only message I would ever give to them is I love them. And I'm so honored that they and grateful that they are part of the project and they, they lift me up and they're the reason I sing. And that's the truth. That is the message I tell them all. And I tell everybody that messages me and stuff. I always say you're a blessing. Don't let anybody tell you any different because you are. And that includes you. You're a blessing to me. I appreciate that. Yep. What's next for you? What do you have going on? that you want people to know about got an album coming out always releasing a podcast episode every week every wednesday the marty ray project chats got the album coming out we got a show in tampa coming up march 11th if anybody is listening to this that's in tampa get some tickets because i don't know what my fan base is there hopefully i pray that i can sell out the place it's a small place 250 tickets and I don't like I, that's the thing about my fans. They're, they're spread out all over the world. Yeah. They're, they're not in one place. So it's, it's just tough to go and say, okay, let me do a show in Texas and then try to sell tickets. And then, you know, only a few people show up because I only have a few fans in what that city of Texas. So it, it's hard. People, all, people always say, when you come into Scotland, when you come into Australia, I don't know. Like I, I typically only do private shows because I don't have to worry about selling tickets. Yeah. You know, they pay me, I come out, whoever they bring, that's who's there. I'm fine with that. And I actually love that better because it's stress-free for me. But like this thing is, it's very stressful to have to sell tickets. Yeah. So if anybody's in, in Florida area around Tampa, get some tickets. And uh, other than that, join the mailing list on martyrayproject.com so that you can be notified with every update because we, the uh, greatest enemy of an independent artist or anybody else is the corporate algorithm yeah. that's the greatest enemy and i'm sure you know that by now um so and even with email list you might not see all the emails it's just funny it's it's a game no matter what but uh, other than that i'm always auditioning for acting and you know, I, I love to act it's fun playing make-believe and getting paid for it that's a fun thing to do and so i'm always doing that and that's about it that's that's, that's all i can think of Oh, that's cool. I was listening when you were saying that I was thinking about what you and Chris were talking about in your last episode about he's well known in the Nashville area. But when, he, when you the two of you go somewhere outside you know, the country or whatever, people are coming up to you. And it's th that whole conversation that you two had back and forth was just was kind of chuckling out. Yeah, man, that's funny because, yeah, he, he is known. He's very well known here. And uh, 
Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm honored that he he actually came on the show. That's how I met him. Okay. Early on, yeah, nice. That's he cool. was on one of the early episodes before he was actually the host of it. Yeah. So he's he, he and I have become really really close friends in a short amount of time. It feels like we've known each other forever. So really a blessing there. Cool. Well, as I wrap up, I just really want to send this message to the listeners of this podcast episode because, um, you know, go follow, listen, support, share everything that Marty Ray has going on because here's why. And here's one takeaway that I've learned about Marty and he's just genuine. He cares about his fans. Uh, and he said it here and you can hear it in this episode. Like he cares for everyone that he meets. And that says a lot about him as an artist and as a person, because how many artists out there do you know would come on a podcast that I don't know the host, I don't know the show, but he's doing it right. And he's, and I see his, his activity in all of these podcast pages and clubhouses and, he is taking his time to really connect with us. And so I say you as a listener, go support him any and all ways you can. He's got merchandise. Uh, if you don't need it, wear it, send it as a gift. Um, subscribe to his, his mailing list. Support him on all his social pages. And that is my ask to all of my listeners today is just go in and support, support Marty because um, he more than deserves it. This has been fun, man. I've had a blast. I've had a blast too, brother. I thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to, uh, to kind of just chat with me. And I look forward to our next conversation. Right on. Coming up soon. that wraps up this episode of the podcast and thank you for tuning in this week if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe so you get notified when a new episode releases every week and if you are a visual person feel free to check out the youtube channel do you want to be a guest on the show if you do send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com and as always thank you for listening stay well and god bless